So you want to do me a favor and say, I'm Matt Richardson and Birchwood Prog... <laughs> I can't even say it. I will screw it up like that too then. Good then. Yeah. Uh, I'm Matt Richardson and Birchwood Podcast. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm Matt Richardson and Birchwood Podcast is brought to you by Spludcast and Boys Club. I'm Matt Richardson and Birchwood Podcast is brought to you by... Boys Club and the Splood Podcast, Splood one of my favorites. Hey, what's up, weirdos? It's Mark Splood, and I am the host of the Splood Cast. But you know, you should probably know that already, shouldn't you? You don't know what I'm talking about, right? Everyone listens to my show. What's the point of even doing a commercial? Well, listen, just in case there's one poor bastard out there who doesn't know about it, it's the best damn podcast in the world, and you can find it every Thursday on iTunes or Podbean or wherever you get your shit. Get my shit. It's called The Splutcast. Check it out. Download it. Sit down on your ass crack of Dos Equis, Fire up your favorite sativa and driver right the fuck into you. Boys Club. Is it called Boys Club because my apartment looks like a boy lives in it? I wouldn't say a boy lives in it. I would say a boy is kidnapped somewhere in here. Boys Club. We're everything. We're true crime. We're, we're world true. star hip hop. World star hip hop. We're Netflix reviews. Stories of the day. Boys Club. Listen. Yeah, do it. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. Uh, I think. Uh, no, we're not. And on Google Play. Nobody gives a shit. Boys Club. Boys Club podcast. Now with 90% more sound clips of black people. Boys Club. Touch me and I'll sue. This is the new commercial for Birchwood Podcast. Hi guys, I'm comedian Shane Ogden, and I will even sing to you in any advertising situation. Suppose I was selling shoes, I would be like, Hey, hey you, why don't you put on some shoes that you bought from me? Hashtag buy them from me. See, I could do anything. And uh, I could do a podcast, just like everyone else is. Ah, enjoy Birchwood Podcast. Like, my dad used to embarrass me a lot as a kid, and I found a way of getting back at him. Every time I'm introducing him to new people, I say, this is my biological father. I've never seen my dad get so mad at a fact. It's the funniest thing you can do. It's so great. Okay, so just start with, uh, your name's Andrew... Andrew Wiley. Wiley, right. Awesome. And you're here in Halifax. How long have you been doing stand-up? I've been doing it for about a year. I started... Wow. I started doing it, like, um, at an open mic at my school, and... Yeah, because you're young. Yeah, I'm pretty young. And it went pretty well, and I started... And then I always, like, loved watching stand-up comedy when I was younger. I watched, like, all the Just for Laughs stuff on VHS when I was really young, and yeah, started doing it ever since. On VHS? Yep. You had it. Yeah. You had it. You remember that? You had a yeah. VCR. I watched the Gestapo march into Berlin as I watched on my VHS. Yeah. Oh, awesome! Well, uh, it's really good to meet you, and I'm really happy uh, that you had a good. I think it was a pretty good set yeah, that you yeah. had. Um, and you've only been doing it a year. Yeah, that's incredible. I think the only thing I need. I like to how you say amazing. <laughs> Is that your through line? Huh? Is that your through line? That's going to be your hook. Yeah, yeah, probably. Nice, nice. I think, or it's just like a nervous tick, probably. <laughs> oh, cool, yeah. But yeah, right on. I think I just need to get better at like, or more confident, probably somewhere around there. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's the only thing. I need that to just do. comes with experience. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, definitely. Because I could tell you're a joke writer up there. Really, really sharp. I really enjoyed it. It was fun to watch. And uh, actually, your set, it really, like, uh, the crowd just seemed to pop a little bit. I don't know yeah. if there was more people or you were... You had a good connection with them. Yeah, yeah I think so, too, yeah. Nice. Well, uh, you know, I think that um, people, like... I remember when I used to skateboard years ago, and like it took me like a couple of years to learn how to kickflip, mm-hmm. and now kids are doing it like right away. So it's almost like you know it took me about five years to be as good as you are. Mm-hmm. You know I've been doing stand up since July of '98. So yeah, it takes a long time to. It took me a long time, but like I'm from, I'm from that era. Of, of, like starting in 98 and so on yeah. so for you to do what you've done in a year is pretty incredible thank you thank you have you seen uh, also have you seen um, mid 90s if you like skateboarding I, a lot of my friends really like skateboarding and we watched mid 90s a really good skateboarding film oh yeah so, what was it called mid 90s mid 90s yeah. okay yeah so nice skateboarding and stuff like that but yeah I really like do you have any clips on YouTube that I can watch of you because you're really like really good I really like I'll reach out to you on yeah. Facebook yeah, and I'll, I'll send you my clips and I'll um, I'll also send you the copy of the podcast that you're going to yeah. be on yeah, this could be probably a month from now or something okay. right but uh, but yeah no it's interesting and I, I'm just trying to um, you know I'm just getting back into stand up I did it for like 20 years and then I backed away from it now I'm kind of getting back into mm-hmm. it um what and did you leave or a kids and stuff, oh, yeah, you know, just yeah. life. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm getting back into it and really enjoying it, and uh, really enjoying meeting new comics. And yeah. yeah, it's really cool. I think it's awesome, man. Uh, you, did, what did you think of your set? I thought it went okay. I haven't. Uh, I've been doing exams like this past week, so I haven't had a lot of uh, like places to go to. So this is pretty nice. It's pretty like good venue, but I feel like I was a bit uh, stiff. That's about it. Like, I just haven't done it in a week, so it's been yeah. rough. But you're also yeah. doing it, you know, at an open mic, which yeah. is... Yeah, yeah. Did you ever get spots down at the club? Yeah, I got... I, I've only done, like, the open mic at Yuck Yucks. Like, that's, like, the most professional I've done yet. But um, I've done stuff in, like, Ottawa, too, because I'm actually originally from Ottawa. I'm just going here for uh, school. And But I haven't had any spots at Yuck Yucks yet. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's really great, man. What are you... What do you th- What's your end goal? I really like. I really want to be really good at comedy when I'm older. Like, I really. I think it's probably my passion. I don't really see me doing anything else other than that. I'm just kind of in university, in university to uh, appease my parents. If you know what I mean. But yeah, I think comedy is what I want to do. Good luck to you, brother. Yeah, thank thanks, you. For, thanks, thanks for so talking much. to me. Awesome. Shout out to everyone that supports this podcast. You can email me at birchwoodpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, I'm the guy who likes to listen. Tell me things. Tell me where you're listening right now in the world. How are you hearing me? My little voice in public landing, New Brunswick, Canada. How are you hearing this? I want to know where you're at. Um, I also want to know, uh, anything, man, if you want to tell me some stories, something we could share on the podcast, I'd love to hear your voice. I'd love to know what's on your mind. And, uh, yeah, that's birchwoodpodcast at gmail.com. And this episode is, uh, number eight and it features Matt Richardson. But first a little segment with a kid I met, Andrew Wiley. Uh, I think he's got a future, you know, I, I don't know. He's uh, only been doing stand up a little bit. But it was interesting chatting with him. 
briefly and uh, and seeing him when I was down in Halifax. More on that in the following segment. I'm going to keep this little intro brief. I only wanted to add it uh, because uh, me and uh, Julie and Dale and uh, Walter, even Walter came, the, the whole Chuckles family went down to Moncton to pay our respects to Martin Saunier, uh, who uh, was 40 years old, um, and he passed, I, I think it was a stroke, uh, I, could, I could get that wrong, I'm not, I didn't ask, you know, I, I wasn't tight with Marty in the sense that I would call him at home, but uh, I did, I did cry. <laughs> When I heard he died, you know, it was one of those things that kind of hit me. It was like, wow, Martin Sonia meant a lot more to me than I thought. Uh, and I think there were a lot of people like me, but there were a lot more people that were really close to Martin. Uh, and he meant really a lot to his friends and even more to his family. And I know that because at the funeral, I had the opportunity and the privilege to meet Martin's mother and to hug her. And she held on to me for a really long time. And, you know, she said, um, Martin meant so many things to so many people and it's, he's in a better place or, or something to that effect. He, it was his time, she said. I don't know, man. I think he had a few more years to go. I think he had a few more gigs to do. I think he wanted to do more, but uh, it certainly wasn't lost on him that life is a privilege and uh, and life is exciting and comedy is beautiful and and uh, oh man, fuck, Martin was awesome. And I miss, I'm going to miss him. We're all going to miss him. And uh, anyway, I just, that's all, the only reason I added this little tiny segment at the beginning of the show uh, was out of respect for my friend Martin Sonier. Uh, rest in peace, Marty. We love you. We miss you. Okay, getting back to the happy stuff. It is Birchwood Podcast, Episode 8, featuring Matt Richardson. First, we talked to Andrew Wiley. Uh, yeah, but first the original regularly scheduled, uh, introduction, what's in Shane's head. Here it comes. Birchwood podcast number eight. Please enjoy. Here we go, man. Another podcast, another Birchwood podcast. Thank you for liking. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for subscribing. Please tell a friend. I want to be with you. 
every time you do your chores, I want to be in your pocket and in your ear eardrums. Yeah, it's me, the mayor of comedy, Shane Ogden. This is Birchwood Podcast. I'm in Halifax at the moment doing comedy shows. It's Saturday, April 6, 2019, uh, and I'm... About in, in three hours, I'm going to do my final show in Halifax. It's been awesome. I've had a great time. Um, I got to meet some really cool people. Uh, shout out to Catherine Robertson, Rick McGray, Daniel Allen um, for giving me spots and shows. It's been fantastic. Thank you to Yuck Yucks for um, having me. Uh, host the shows it's been an honor it's been so much fun i can't wait to get back on stage you can check out all my dates at uh shane ogden comedian on facebook comedian shane ogden on insta and at funny shane ogden on twitter um yeah i gotta stop saying um and but it's so hard if you've ever tried it try it try not saying um buts when you're talking it's a little bit difficult I got to meet so many great comedians in Halifax, and some are funnier than others. Some are so funny that it's unbelievable. Uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of great comedians coming out of Halifax. There already are. And right now, if you don't know, uh, Andrew Vaughn is having his first headlining weekend next weekend at Yuck Yucks. In Halifax, so that'll be uh, April 12th and 13th, I think, that's the weekend. 6 plus 7 is 13, so yeah, it'll be 12th and 13th, April 12th and 13th. My man, Andrew Vaughn, I've had him many times down at Chuckles, and he's hilarious. He's going to be headlining next weekend at Yuck Yucks. In Halifax, you may not know that because this recording may be in the can. So, trust me when I say the people in Halifax right now that are coming out are really, really funny. Andrew Vaughn, of course, Travis Lindsay, Dan Hendrickson, Martin Edwards. These people are all killers. And then you've got a new crop of comedians coming up. Andrew Wiley. I talked to Andrew Wiley. He's a funny kid. And then... Daniel Allen, also uh, headlining his first Mega Comedy Monday soon. Very funny, guys. I got to meet lots of great local comedians. I mentioned uh, Ryan Freed, who was uh, middling the Yuck Yucks this weekend. Kanan Kuntz. Um, a couple other locals. Great to see all of those guys and meet. Getting reacquainted with some of my friends. Matt Richardson, Catherine Robertson, and uh, great to see Andrew Vaughn. I'm looking forward to seeing Bryant Thompson. He's supposed to be on the show tonight. So it's just a wonderful thing to be out around people that I know and appreciate. I have uh, I have a hotel room. They gave me a hotel room here in Halifax, and it's been awesome. It's been a while since I stayed in a hotel room, and I gotta say, I love not cleaning. It's great. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun not to clean. I asked for a microwave. They brought me a microwave. So I have a microwave here. 
and a fridge. And there's a superstore, grocery store, across the street. So you couldn't have it better as a touring comedian. You can get your microwavable meals and uh, you have a... I have a box of cereal and, a, you know, some milk. And uh, the, the hotel was more than accommodating. Gave me a bowl and a plate and a mug and cutlery. So I've been feasting it up here at my headquarters for the week. I want to be very forthright and forthcoming and say that I'm, you know... Comfortable on stage, but not as comfortable as I was when I was a young man. I'm finding that I'm more nervous on and off stage than I ever was. I think I'm having a bit of a midlife slash identity crisis. But I they keep laughing, you know. I, I, I feel like I'm doing the job, but I'm I'm paranoid. I'm not sure where these feelings are coming from. Maybe it's going to be a therapy thing. I do not know. I, I know that I, I walked the streets of Halifax and when people were, you know, milling around me, I felt the energy and it, it felt cool, but I don't know. It, it also felt like, wow, there's too many people here. I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I've been in the woods in New Brunswick for too long. Although I love people, so it's uh, it was cool to, to see all the different people walking and biking and and uh, never really spoke to too many people other than the guy at the dollar store. Um, yeah, it's been interesting, man. I went into, I went to buy milk so I could have some cereal and I didn't go to the Irving. I passed the Irving. I figure they get enough money. So I went to Jim's Variety. Or no, Jim's Quick Way. And I opened up the door. And there was a nice Indian couple that ran the store. And I went and I got milk in a black carton called Farmer's Milk. Maybe that's what you have here in Halifax. It says local on it. But I found it odd to see a carton of milk that was... Uh, had a black label on it, different than the stuff I drink in New Brunswick, but it was definitely milk. I felt like it was from a cow, so I used it on my cereal, on my Chex Honey Nut cereal. Delicious. Yeah, so I've been trying to walk every day, uh, get a coffee, take it in, take my thoughts in, be a person in the world, and it's been nice, been nice relaxing. Watching cable TV again. I don't have cable TV. So it's odd seeing commercials again. Very bizarre situation. But fun. Fun to watch. I was watching uh, American and Canadian pickers. I love seeing them go through all the antiques and say what they're worth. That doesn't take much to entertain me, is what I'm saying. Why don't you write me right in so I have something to talk about, will you? God, I'm talking about microwaves and <laughs> American pickers. Please, God, email me at birchwoodpodcast at gmail.com, even, even just to say hi. Um, I looked at the numbers, though, and there's a lot of you listening. 
uh, already, I'm only, uh, you know, six episodes deep and there are literally hundreds of people listening. So if you're one of those people, I don't think the next person's going to do it. So email me, birchwoodpodcast at gmail.com. Say where you're listening from. Say how you know me. Say you're enjoying the podcast. Say it's a pile of dog shit and you have some advice for some improvements. Um, I'm welcome and open to all uh, criticisms and and hopefully it's constructive. Thank you to all my listeners. Thank you to my listeners in the United States. USA, USA. I'm not blaming you for Trump. A lot of people are, though. So keep that in mind when it comes time to vote, will ya? Yeah, your neighbors to the north. We, uh, we're a little nervous up here. I'm not going to talk about it other than that. So this has been a, a great stay in Halifax. I, I, think, I think I'm done with weed. It's, uh, you know, I know everybody says, oh, weed is not harmful and weed is not addictive. And I I think especially for people with mental illness, it's hard to justify. It's, It's a lot of fun. And that's why we do it, right? Smoke a little grass and then we have a snack and we giggle. And oh boy, what a bunch of fun. And I'm not usually a very conservative person. But in the case of pot, man, I, I got to say, I am not enjoying legalization one bit. It's put a lot of the people who know about weed out of business, so you don't even really know what you're getting, and the government doesn't really know what they're selling. I think the whole thing is flawed deeply. Um they don't even have edibles in their stores and they can't even keep up with the demand. So really the government doesn't know what they're doing and they've treated it like everything else. They're trying to regulate it and they use the safety excuse. But some of the places that they source their marijuana from has been known to have problems with pesticides. And um, so, yeah, they don't even know what they're selling. It's, it's not a good situation, I don't think. That's my opinion. Everybody's got one. Um, and for me personally, man, it's just, it's given me a level of paranoia and uh, uncertainty. And my mind is a very creative mind. <laughs> I am a very creative and, and strange person. Uh, I think that bodes well for me in comedy, but maybe not life. Maybe life would be just a a bit more easy to um, process if I didn't have weed distorting it. And and I do find that it's it's become a habit. I do enjoy it. You know, I smoke it when the kids aren't around. And I don't think I want to. Because it's really just not good for me, man. It's making me crazy. Um... And yeah, part of it was walking into that weed room. I mean, (laughs) wow, I was high already. That show was intense and insane. And uh, they had a cat in there and I was concerned about the cat. I was riffing about the cat. 
I was saying, uh, do you think it brags to the other cats in the neighborhood that, <laughs> like, fuck catnip. You gotta come to my house, man. Everybody smokes weed in my house. I don't know if cats like weed or not, but that cat looked really sketched out, man. Anyway, I heard that weed room is closing down. By the way, um, I will I will perform in a weed room if it's for money, but I'm not interested in ever doing that again. Um, look, my my man Rick McGray hooked me up with a nice gig and it paid well, and the audience were very nice, but. They don't laugh like a traditional comedy audience. They laugh at the setups and just stare at you through the punchlines. And sometimes they're just, I don't know, too cerebral for me, man. Man. Yeah, I don't know. I, I get it. The whole dope thing, the marijuana thing, I get it. But I'm out. I, I Peace and love. As Dr. Drew would say, peace and love, do your thing, man, but I'm out. I don't think it's cool. It's cool with me if you do it, but I think it just makes you lazy and hungry. And you want to giggle, go and giggle. <laughs> for me, it's bad for me. I'm, I'm speaking for me only, okay? I know it's cool and popular, Right now to say, oh, yeah, I love weed, man. So good. It cures cancer. It does all these things. Well, great. If I get cancer, I'll, I'll light the bong. Or I'll, I know, take the THC and the cannabis oil and take the THC out of it and all this stuff. And I, I understand it all. I don't need to be educated. I just need to do what I need to do. And I know there's someone listening going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I got to stop fucking smoking this because it's Tuesday and my kids need their lunch packed. Some of us got to grow up. Some of us got to move on. And some of us can integrate that in our lifestyle without it causing any trouble. And some people claim that it makes their lives more productive and and uh, whatever, man, just do you. I'm going to do me. All right? I'm going to do me. You do you, girlfriend. Anyway, so this episode is fantastic. I sit down with a great comedian, Matt Richardson. Now, Matt, I feel like he's similar to me in the way that he's really, really funny but he seems to just bleed into the background. Like both of us kind of were good, but, and we perform a lot, but people are always kind of shocked. And it is shocking how great he is, man. When you sit down and watch Matt Richardson, you're watching a comedy show. This guy's a great writer, great performer. Um, he started out like I did in theater, in school, acting. And he's done some plays, some adult acting plays. So he's a thespian, a performer at heart, even before he cobbled together his first stand-up set, he was doing some acting. So he's got a lot of stage presence, very fun guy to watch on stage. He's, uh, he 
is the type of performer that as soon as he takes the stage, he's everybody's pal, everybody's buddy. Everybody loves Matt. And um, he's my friend and my comedy friend. And we talk about, we talk about it. So I hope you enjoy this episode of Birchwood Podcast. This is me talking to Matt Richardson. Like I was at a bar once, minding my own business, okay? Guy comes up to me, pokes me in the chest, and says, Hey, bud, were you looking at my girl? I said, probably, it's a bar. Basically, while the place was invented, everybody comes, they look at one another, they get a drink, that's how it works. In fact, if you walk into a bar and nobody looks at your girl, chances are your girl's ugly, okay? And there's nothing I can do about that. So then I hit him with a chair! Because you have to strike first, people! He's <laughs> nothing to chance! Yeah. Okay. yeah, man. It's great, thank you very much. Black will be right over with the uh, cream. Sugar. Yes, nice. I've been uh, getting into cream and sugar lately. I don't believe you. No, really. I was, do- I was just doing black for a while. <laughs> I'm getting into hops and barley lately. <laughs> For about 20 I, years now. Yeah, you really do drink a lot. <laughs> there we go, guys. I, I consider myself a traveling casual drinker. So, so whenever when you travel... I, I drink like in the afternoon and that because I, I don't have to go to work in that. But yeah, it's a treat. I, I'm working at 8 tonight, basically. And yeah. I do that for 45 minutes and then I can go back to drinking. Uh, but No, uh, you don't even have to stop. You can bring the beer on <laughs> that's stage. That's true, and I do do that. And, uh, but I notice you switch it up from pints to bottles on stage. I do, yeah. I don't want the uh, pint to, to spill and go everywhere. That actually happened with uh, Jimmy McKinley and I were doing a show. At and, the Vogue? Uh, at the Vogue. And when we were doing the switch up, because I was hosting, and he was coming on to do his set. like Was that the a, infamous Jimmy show? Uh, I think it was... Yeah, I think it was his show, and I just went to host it. But then when I was bringing him on, it was Big Mama, and I was, like, hyping up the crowd. And I was like, yeah, you know, Jimmy McKinley, the whole place is, like, going up. And then he had, like, a glass of beer, I think. And I went to, like, hug him or something and just smashed the thing everywhere. Like, right to, right to start off, like, he's filming this. This is, like, a really big deal. There's beer everywhere. And, like, he's just like, hip to do. And then he goes and does his bit or whatever. But, like, I was like, that is the perfect way to start. Jimmy's too light to slip on your beer anyway. (laughs) (laughs) He'd be like one of those surface water bugs. You ever see those in a brook? They're just they're just on top of the water. They're so light. That's probably what Jimmy did with the with your beer. So bottles are safer for on stage. Is what I'm saying. So, yeah, that's good advice for any young comics out there. You want to put stick to bottles if you're going to drink on stage. I'm so old. I used to smoke cigarettes on stage. That's how old I am. I thought you were saying, I brought some mead up on stage with me. About no. The 1700s. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I canceled uh, Sunday night. Yeah. I, my kids miss me, and I just want to be home. That's a good enough of a reason as any, you know? Well, I don't know. I, I put my kids second for a lot of years, you know? And I just think, I want to go home. Five shows in a row is enough for me. Listen, I, I put my kids non-existent for, like, my entire life. Because, yeah. Because... Uh, 
I didn't want any kids, and uh, I tip my hat to parents. It seems like the most ridiculously difficult job in the world. It is. And, uh, well, you know, I want no part of it. It's not a job, but it is. <laughs> well, it's you got to, it's a lifestyle. And it's a lifestyle. That's what they say about things that are more than a job. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. It's a lifetime. Yeah. I think that having kids and losing weight must be, like, the two <laughs> things that are hardest for human beings to do. You know, like... I was, uh, you got to be committed. You got to do it every day, whether you like it or not, and to get results. Uh, you know, got to put the work in. Now there are people who uh, parent like a fat guy, like you know, they <laughs> the equivalent to eating bags of chips just in your bed uh, every day with ice cream and chocolate bars is uh, leaving a kid unattended, like in the north end of St. John, or like it, where are we now? And uh, what's what's across the river here? Dartmouth. Dartmouth. Uh, There's some Dartmouth kids out there that are <laughs> parents that are not involved. but And like right away, you're like, that, that, that guy's dad's fat. You're like, yeah. in your head, you're like, he probably has a fat dad. Yeah, like I'm not smoking weed in front of my kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> my kids are well looked after. It's I, sad. I go into these houses, man, and they're just like, it doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't hurt them. I'm like, well, no, Psychologically, but it does. <laughs> hurts their psyche, probably. <laughs> People develop schizophrenia for a reason. It just hurts their overall respect for you, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you're hotboxing your kids and then putting them in a car and you, like, playing rap really loud. And then they just grow up all messed up and they want to wear fake gold chains and, and never get a job, get a tattoo on their face. This is this, is this kid's... Uh, I'm making this all up and it doesn't sound good. So... No, but you were talking about the weight loss thing, and I've been actively trying to lose weight for, like, a couple of years now, and, uh... I don't know how hard you're trying. Well, not super hard, because <laughs> I'll reach these, like, minor goals, like, these tiny goals of, like... I sound like oh. a dick to you, for people that don't know we're friends. I don't know how tired you're trying. Wow. No, he's got... I, I pointed at his beer. I am crying now, though, just to let everybody know. Um... But, uh, yeah, so I'll reach these minor goals and get all super proud of myself and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to eat a pizza when I get home. Like, I lost half a pound today. Oh, my God. And then uh, I just had to overlook the footage that I taped at the show last night, and that's a real slap in the face, man. When all of a sudden you have to watch yourself for 45 minutes, it's like, oh, fuck, I'm still fat. Like, this is what Kevin James must feel like. But but at least you're funny. Like yeah. when I re-listen to my comedy, I'm like, I don't think I don't think I can use that. I don't think I can use it. That's not going to be good for the podcast. No, it's that makes me look bad. It's just the visuals. I'm like, oh, I'm not showing this to anybody. Yeah, I'd like, rather oh. be fat and funny than myself, actually. But I'm, I'm like borderline fat. I'm like right on the cusp of I've got to make a decision. Am I going to keep buying chocolate bunnies before Easter? And eating them in my hotel room? Or am I going to admit that I have to eat Cheerios in the morning with no sugar? You know what I mean? Like, I'm... Well, you're in that dad bod range. That I'm at the dad... About, you know, yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's all the rage right now, man. That's what the, it's the working at 42. If I, I have the right body for 42. But I think that at 52, I'm going to double in size. And then by 62, I'll be Marlon Brando. So... <laughs> <laughs> Not ability-wise, but, you know, the bod. The the good thing, though, about the weight loss is that I was worried that I might have, like, if I lose so much weight that I'm not going to be able to do any fat jokes anymore. And there's no real worry of that. I'm still... 
You think even at your skinniest and most fit, you'll still be it's like, I can still round? Yeah, yeah. Whoever cares, you know. Who cares? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, usually I do a deep dive with people and ask them about their childhood. But I, I know that you're a non-serious person. I, have, you always, have you always been a non-serious person, like a very jolly, jovial you know, like you're you're always joking around, man. I've never seen you go. No, but seriously, Shane, we need to talk. <laughs> never, never. Well, I I remember reading this uh, thing when I was a kid about uh, like the stylized families, and a lot of the times in my family situation, I have two older sisters, and uh, when you're the youngest uh, sibling and the only boy, that leads to like being a person that wants that attention of, of comedy and oftentimes uses comedy to diffuse situations because my sisters were like fighting all the time. So I always felt I had to like step in and like, you know, either make them laugh or just kind of diffuse the situation. And you see that a lot. It's like an archetype that you see with a lot of people in that similar situation. They really? all sort of veer towards uh, being like more kind of funny people and more lighthearted people. So wow. I found that really interesting. That yeah. is interesting. Oh, you can get serious. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Side of you I've never seen. This is why I love doing this podcast because I just get to see people like I've never seen them before. Uh, yeah. And uh, and hear what they're all about, you know. So you, uh, but you wanted to act more than you wanted to do stand up. Stand up, something you kind of fell into. You were telling me. Yeah, it was just a, it was just another means of performance. Like when I first started it, it was out of necessity. Just a buddy was doing a stand-up competition, and I was in a play with him, and he was like, "Hey, man, you're funny. Can you come and do this for me? Help me out." And I was like, "Sure." And that was like how I started doing stand-up. And then at that point, it just became like a fun writing exercise, a fun performance exercise, and that's still kind of what I use it for. Like, I my favorite part of it is the performance aspect and putting together sets and like getting out there and like kind of like uh, being a character uh, on stage still. But uh, no, like acting is what I trained at. It's like what I was most passionate at. And you know, there's less opportunities when I move back to the East Coast, uh, but there is still opportunities that I could be partaking in. Uh, but you know, right now stand up is just kind of the easiest performance thing to be able to do. And uh, and uh, you know, it's fun. It's fun to come out for the weekend, hang out with the guys, and uh, tell some jokes. I like how you approach it because it's not precious to you. Like, I think that's my mistake, and a lot of comedians' mistake is, you know, rolling into town, I'm headlining, I'm I'm a comedian, I'm the guy, and then this, the ego, and... But the reality is, we're going to do some grocery shopping at Sobeys <laughs> or Superstore, we're going to have to clean the ice off our windshields, we're people. Yep. And um, I don't think that a lot of comedians ro- roll like people, you know? No, I'm not saying they have to. And I like meeting people that think they're rock stars. It's actually quite quite a lot of fun. <laughs> but um, do you find it sobering to go back to, say, your office job or, you know, after, after a weekend headlining and you're getting all these accolades and you're getting pumped up and... Yeah, it's definitely weird. I, I sort of compartmentalize it uh, right. and kind of like leave my work life and my nine to five. Uh, I still have fun at work and I still like go around and entertain my coworkers and uh, and a lot of them know that I'm a comedian. They know what I do. 
but then, like, when I put the comedian hat on, like, it's kind of a different me that just kind of comes out and uh, kind of revels in the, that kind of adulation or, or uh, whatever we get. And uh, It's kind yeah. of like me around my girlfriend. Exactly. I just exactly. put on a different hat. I'm a different guy. <laughs> Really, really though, I, I do feel like I walk on eggshells around her. It's weird, and um, and I and I talk differently to my parents too. Like I become, I, I talk slower. I feel like maybe I'm insulting them. You know, like my mom's seventy nine, and I'm like, have you seen Patty lately? You know, like I talk just a little half a beat slower, and she talks to me that way. And then I wonder, maybe she can talk quick, and she's just accommodating me. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about writing earlier, and one of the things that I did, um, actually just before we went to Lunenburg together, you and I performed in Lunenburg together, and um, before I went, I bought this thing of fortune cookies, because I thought it'd be fun for the kids to break open a fortune cookie after supper, you know? And uh, I, I started reading you know, these fortune cookies and stuff, and we would comment on them around the supper table. And so when the kids went back to their mothers, because I get them week on, week off, I'm looking at all these, <laughs> I start opening them all up, all of them, right? And then I start commenting on every one and start writing in my book. So it became this writing exercise. And I think it's like maybe around 2 to $3. You can buy like 26 fortune cookies, and like, so that's what I've been doing to try to get my wheels turning. Do you do anything like that? Do you cut out newspapers or? Well, it sounds like you're stealing a bunch of bits from some fortune cookie writing. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me, Shane Ogden. But my nightmare would be my girlfriend comes home and all these fortune cookies are open. I'm like, hi, babe. What's going on? I'm just writing. <laughs> I'm not cheating on you with the Chinese food delivery lady. <laughs> Um, no, I kind of, at this point in time, my writing process is very much spur of the moment. Uh, like, something will hit me, and then uh, these lovely phones that we have on us all the time, you know, you jot a quick note down. A lot of the times, though, I'll, uh, not that I'm in a hurry or anything, but the way I'll jot it down uh, is very cryptic. And I don't, like, emphasize what I'm, like, the feeling behind it is enough. So that when I look back on it later, I'm like, what the fuck was I talking about here? <laughs> like, it's just like this, like, uh, corral of different words. And I'm just like, um, I'm sure this had some kind of premise in my mind, but I'll never figure it out now. So it just stays in my, like, notepad of my phone for all eternity. Like, they'll find this in 300 years and they'll be like, what, pizza, ballet, it's just like a... Um, a bunch of jumbles of words that like they'll never be able to decipher some weird code. I do the same thing. And with mine, when I when I add it to the my notes, I never double up on it. There's lots of room on each note. But because I'll have to write somebody's phone number down or something or a grocery list, I'll add a new note. So like there's I have a million set lists on my phone, but they're just one or two ideas when I could easily just put them together. Mm. Talk about acting more. You wanted to do acting. Have you done some acting? Are you going back to acting? Well, yeah, I mean, like, I did all the school plays and everything growing up, like a lot of kids do, but then when I went to university at St. Thomas and uh, UMB, uh, did all the acting program uh, classes, 
uh, moved to Toronto with the intent on focusing more on that, like doing uh, you know stage work, film work. Uh, got into Second City at a very early age and started like doing uh, that style of sketch comedy and improv, and then. Uh, just was doing the odd audition, but then kind of like life takes over in Toronto. It's a very expensive city, and so you just find yourself kind of working to get week to week, and then uh, just kind of fell away from it. But then I got brought back to the East Coast by a buddy of mine, great playwright uh, by the name of Ryan Griffith uh, out of uh, Fredericton, and uh, he wrote a play with uh, me in mind and had like a role for me. He said, Hey man, come back and we'll do this play together. So I came back and did that, and that was a lot of fun. And then uh, just kind of a similar thing, just started doing stand-up again, and always on the lookout for opportunity. Like I was going to do uh, the show uh, that the boys in St. John are doing. The name escapes me right now, but hard uh, times. Hard times. Uh, but scheduling didn't work out for that. And you know, I'm always looking for fun opportunities uh, to like do stuff like that. So it's kind of on the lookout. But then, uh, you know, certain scheduling things uh, don't work out, or you get busy doing stand-up shows and you can't do the other stuff. But uh, I understand that it's still always like in mind as something that I'd like to do. And, you know, uh, you'd be perfect for because you're an excellent writer as well as performer. You would be excellent for this hour is 22 minutes, which is here in Halifax. No, for sure. I so I'll cover the show tonight. <laughs> if you want to go over to the office and just let just, them know you're here. I'm just going to wander yeah. around the lobby and just say, hey, guys. You know, I'm you here. do strike me as uh, like you a character, you know. you just got this fun, uh, I don't know how to, charismatic way about you on stage. Like you seem like everybody's friend immediately. Have you heard that before? Yeah, well, it's, uh, we were talking last night about just perception. It's, everything changes once you hit that stage, and based on what you're dressed like, based on just how you look that day, what your energy level is, like, the audience is picking all of that up, and they're, like, going to sort of react to you based on their perception of you. And so if you can get right at the stop, uh, right at the start, and, like, kind of be a charismatic kind of friendly person then you can come along you can say the craziest stuff in the course of your set and they're on board I count on that actually (laughs) I really that's a lot of my stuff is very dark and tasteless and I'm noticing more and more as I'm reviewing these recordings that I'm actually not a friend like friendly kind of like I I lean more dark than I want to and I want to change that I want to actually be more silly and free and fun but uh, there's nothing better than saying something inappropriate when people are paying attention to you, I yeah. think. Well, I look at a comedian like John Mulaney. And, uh, what a great comic. Just an amazing comic. And like he's so affable on stage. Do like, you think he's you, the best right now? Uh, he's up there. Like He's uh, definitely like in the top ten, probably. But he has such a way about him that, like, oh my God, you just like this guy immediately. So he can oh, say any yeah. crazy thing, and like you're just on board. You're like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I love it when he says, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got a definitely likable character, and uh, is that is he your favorite? Um, I mean, I have historical favorites like Jeremy Hotz, a uh, great Canadian comedian, and uh, you know a lot of the guys. It's weird. I hate him. No, I'm, jo- I'm joking. <laughs> Jeremy's a legend. And uh, you know, then all the big guys like Rock and Seinfeld, and uh, clearly, yeah, obviously. Did you watch Tambourine? Uh, I haven't watched Tambourine. Great yet. special. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about Nate Bargatze? Tennessee Kid no. that's a new one you should watch that you'd really like that man yeah you um, would if you Netflix like uh, Mulaney yeah you'll like uh, Nate Bergazzi he's he's an Italian guy but he's he's not Italian you know he just that's 
where he gets his name. But uh, he's the specialist calls Tennessee kid, so I he's like you know lives in Tennessee, and um, his daughter introduces him. It's very cute. We get a little girl introducing him, and he's uh, very observational, S- similar to like a Seinfeld or um, John Mulaney, that sort of style of observation, but a little more biting and sarcastic with a Tennessee twang. Very, very cool. Very I get cool. super paranoid about watching stand-up sometimes. Because really? I, like, if I see something that I'm like, oh man, like, uh, that's such a great premise, I wish I had thought of that. I have then, a line like, in my act yeah. that is, um, I, you know, 40-year-olds are similar to 13-year-old girls in that our bodies are changing and our breasts are starting to develop. And Arif Hussein pointed out to me that that's a Louis line. But I did not listen to Louis say that. I don't even know what special that's from. And I wrote that. And uh, I don't think Louis cares. Um, and I'm not I'm not a joke thief. If I see something, I know it's theirs. I won't take it, you know. But um, what do you think about parallel thought and joke thievery and all this stuff? Uh, I only had to deal with it back in the Toronto days once. And I didn't even deal with it. It was hilarious. Uh, my buddies... Uh, were at a mic the night after I had been up at a mic and then they saw this kid go up on stage and like do a bunch of my bits from the night before and like my buddies actually like confronted the dude and like threatened to like beat him up and shit and like they told me all this after the fact and I was like oh guys uh, you took it a little further than I would have but uh, you were um, maybe going to politely ask him <laughs> yeah, not I would have been like hey guy come on man that's not cool uh, but uh, I think parallel thought's a real thing. I mean, there's, For sure. not to say there's a finite number of subjects, but yeah. we all sort of talk about and write about our own experiences. I mean, you have, a, yeah. you have a Canadian game show bit, and there are other Canadian game show bits, and yours is nothing like the ones I've heard. Yeah, and I mean, like, if you're talking about Canadian game show, everybody knows that you're going to be ragging on that it's like, you know... Low grade, a lower low budget, ball, low whatever. Grade. And so, like... People might bounce around the same issue, but as long as you're writing something from your own perspective, like, I could write a Shane Ogden joke and give it to you, and when you deliver it, it might not even work because, like, I might not know how to write for Shane Ogden. Like, I can hear your voice, and I can think, okay, I could write, like, a Shane joke and, like, have him do it or whatever, but it might not work out because people just, like, our brains are wired differently in how we think about things. And I guess... The goal in the end is to be so yourself that nobody could duplicate it, yeah, you yeah. know. But I don't know if I'll ever reach that level. But um, I'm a huge fan of comedy. I watch comedy. Um, I don't watch it religiously like I used to. I used to. That used to be the only thing I... I used to be, like, obsessed. And um, I found over time... I'm not just with watching or listening to stand-up. I mean, if I was in the car... I had a comedy CD. If I was on the road, I'd be watching, like, a comedy special, you know, or whatever, always, in my headphone would be comedy. But it got to be... And then when I would do stand-up, I would, you know, want to do it all the time and do as much as I could and and talk about comedy and, like, just obsess with it. And then I got a little bit burned out on it. I was just like, what am I doing? Like, I know every Carlin album you know off by heart and all this stuff and uh, I started to live my life 
and I was like, hey, living life's pretty good too, you know. And you then gotta, I then I had things to talk about. You got outside, you know. You saw the yeah, sun. I got in the box, man. I couldn't get out, and I finally did break out. And why is Rob Cordry our bartender? You see Rob Cordry? Do you know who Rob Cordry is? Well, I now, swear to we, God, there's a dead ringer for Rob Gordon. We all here. watch Ballers, okay? We all watch Ballers. Last night, I saw Tiger Woods come out of McDonald's. I swear to God. <laughs> he looked so much like Tiger Woods. I'm I was like, I cannot uh, fucking uh, believe. No, dead <laughs> ringer. I was like, oh my God. But uh, you talk about stand-up. I was the same way with sketch comedy. Like, growing up, it was Kids in the Hall, all the SNL stuff, SCTV. I even loved, uh, you know, going back to, like, Wayne and Schuster. Like, I was, like, a gigantic Wayne and Schuster Did you watch Smith and Smith? Smith and Smith. Don't let it get you down. Remember their theme the, the song? The variety show. There are yeah. not many people that know that theme back song. The day, you and me, buddy. And this is... Mr. Yo-Yo this is Man. Red Green. This is Red Green we're talking about. You made yeah. him as Red Green. Yeah. But he had a variety show. If women show don't find life. you handsome, they may as well find you handy. Called Smith and Smith. Yeah, before Red Green was Smith and Smith. Him and his... And his wife. And his wife. I and I don't, her, I, don't, yeah, I don't know her, her name. name is, she wore a blue dress and the intro. They would do like 70s ballads and like themes <laughs> they would sing but then they'd come and do these zany sketches yeah and yeah it was the weirdest show like, it bizarre. was weird it was like, weird the show bizarre bizarre and that's where Super Dave Osborne was born yeah 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 I grew up with all that stuff too and I loved it yeah loved Super Dave loved Kids in the Hall I even loved the movie and you know that got bad reviews but I that scene where the guys uh talking about how he came up with the, the name of the antidepressant Gleeminex <laughs> Oh my God! Can I get a coffee, Luke? <laughs> Remember? There's, uh, there's he says, uh, "Can I get a coffee, Luke?" And she goes, "Warm." And she goes, "He goes, no, Skywalker, you fucking inbred." <laughs> remember? Do you remember that? It's been so long since I've seen that. So I'm driving around in my seventy-two thousand dollar car. <laughs> I see a seagull about to hit the windshield, and as I was wiping his gleaming guts off of it, off of the windshield, I came up with the name Gleamanex, <laughs> and like the headmaster guy of the pharmaceutical company licks his hand before he starts slow clapping. <laughs> they like kids in the hall are so undervalued in this country they always have been but especially when it came to nuance like they're they the finite details of how to structure a bit or a sketch i mean they're, they're the kinks unbelievable it was really nice to see they actually just won the uh, canadian screen award like lifetime achievement award <laughs> which is uh <laughs> what a kick in the dick <laughs> It's like now everybody loves the hip. Gord Downey had to die first. <laughs> now they're legends, you know. But uh, I always tell people all the time there's a Dave Foley movie right around the start of when he was doing news radio, and it's called The Wrong Guy. Really? This movie is one of the funniest movies you will I've watch. I've got to see life. it. Is it on Netflix? Uh, I'm not sure if it's on Netflix. Damn it, The Wrong Guy. How do I get it? Maybe it's incredible. on YouTube. Uh, it features a very early bare naked lady's uh, appearance. They Son of a... some uh, barbershop uh, quartet singing Again, cops. again, bare naked ladies. The melodic geniuses. Mm. Like Hello City. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a beautiful harmony. That first Gordon album, man. I, I played it dead, man. Destroys. Yeah. Uh, you know what else is great is Stunt. Yeah. Stunt is a great album, too. Yeah, again, legends and so many. And you know what? Our comedy's like that, too. And why is it still like that? I think it's getting better. Do you think it's getting better? People get more exposure 
Yeah, I think so, a little bit early. You know? I mean, Nathan McIntosh, K. Trevor Wilson, you're starting to see these guys. And they're starting to be, you know, they have to make moves. They had to go to Toronto. And Nathan had to go to the States. But, I mean, these guys are Canadians. They're getting recognized. You know, if you're good enough and you push it hard enough. I mean, look at James Mullinger. He didn't even leave. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think it's getting better. But, um, you know, I think it's hard for um, some people to have that perspective when they're not maybe doing enough to boost their careers or they're not working hard enough at their comedy. Yeah. What's your perspective on that? Well, Who gives a shit? <laughs> Next question. <laughs> um, I, that's a terrible question. Jane You're an awful interviewer, fucking Mark Maron wannabe <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, no, it's, uh, you know, I think nowadays you have to use all of media venues that are available to you and I think the people who are good at that or the people that can put teams around themselves who are good at that are kind of going to rule the day because uh, you know you're a dinosaur if you're not out there on all the different media platforms and like trying to promote yourself Um, and I think it's just uh, what's important to you as a performer like how are you driving your career what are you pushing yourself towards you know how important is it to you uh, like, I'm. It's very important to me to put on a good show whenever right. I'm doing a show, and so that's what I always try to focus on is just uh, entertaining the crowd. Yeah. Well, I I couldn't agree with you more, and I that's why I'm trying to be more active on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Actually, uh, I have a joke, and you know it. It's the one where I my son asked me what it's like to touch a woman down there, and I say uh, it's kind of like feeding a horse an apple. Keep your hand flat. It tickles. Well, uh, I got a. There's a guy that's. Um, he approached me about making a shirt for me, and it's just a hand with an apple and a horse eating, and it says "Keep your hand flat at tickles" <laughs> on the shirt, and on the back it has um, comedian Shane Ogden on Facebook, or comedian Shane Ogden on Insta, Shane Ogden comedian on Facebook, and at funny Shane Ogden on Twitter, just in very small print on the back of the shirt. You're getting so, that merch, man. I'm getting that's that. What I'm, talking I'm about. getting that merch, baby. You know. <laughs> Yeah, getting that hustle going, and then if I'm down here and I'm getting like a hundred bucks a show, if I make a hundred bucks the whole weekend on shirts, at least I got another hundred bucks to put in the tank. You know what I mean? So these are the struggles of uh, a road comic. So for me to say, yeah, Canadians are finally making it, like they are. The ones that work hard are, you know. So do you plan on working hard? Well, or hardly that, working. Do you come you, here often? When you mentioned your T-shirts, I was like, I would do that too. But then I'm such like a nervous salesman, I would just end up giving them away or like paying people to take them because <laughs> like I, I just hate selling anything. And so I'm just like, oh my god, here, just take the shirt. I'm sorry to have bothered you. You just got to get that one fan that's obsessed with you and be like, you're my merch person from now. On. There you go. You need a merch person, man. <laughs> I, I need all of the people. I need all of the people that can help me. Is what I need. <laughs> And then I'll just go up and try to be entertaining, and then uh, that'll be a good job for me. Well, I think you are. You're headlining the club. Yeah, and it's... Uh, You're the most entertaining man in the room. <laughs> it's uh, it's fun to do, just because it's really fun to do like long, uh, longer sets. I think a lot of young comedians get intimidated by having to like have to be on stage for 45 minutes. But I was just looking at it like you just break it down, like... Uh, can you do a 10 minute set cool and then do four 10 minute sets and then have a five minute uh, you know closer piece at the end and, and there's your headliner set now like it's easy to say like that you have to like yeah. build up the material 
uh, you have to be able to put together 10 minute sets that are like entertaining but if you look, that's kind of just how I look at it from a uh, like a scientific standpoint of how I'm forming the set together and like you know you want to like have a, a flow so that you're getting some bigger laughs like throughout the entire set and so you're putting some bigger pieces in the middle uh, I think you mentioned it yesterday that like sometimes the formula is you do a big bits off the top then you have like kind of uh, you're meandering along during the middle and then you hit them really big at the end but like when you're doing a longer set like this I think it's really important that there's like an ebb and a flow and you're going higher and you're going lower and uh, then you know you bring it in big at the end but I love looking at it scientifically because then uh, there's a whole lot more stuff you can blame you know like if you have a bad set you can be like, the wind wasn't right for comedy <laughs> like the wind pressure was off for comedy tonight. it was southwest everyone yeah, knows was, everyone knows punchlines do not travel to the land. back of the room they don't land if it's southwest the wind is blowing southwest so like I've got a barometer out and stuff and they're like what are you doing man you were fine and I'm like no no it was off look who's, who's headlining okay yeah, who's headlining? I, do, I do the comedy I just think, oh, got a windmill I, up there. I'm hosting this weekend, and I find hosting very neurotic. Could I have a Coke with lemon? No, you can't. Okay. Uh, That's good, though. Okay. I don't mind Pepsi. Um, I'm not a... You ever meet people that are like, no, Coke? <laughs> What's wrong with you? What the fuck is wrong with you? Have some Go compro- home. Have some compromise if, in your life. You know, if I, if I owned an establishment, I'd be like, what well, seems to be the problem with my top server? He'd be like, well, this gentleman... Re- refuses to drink Pepsi he, he's a coke only person I'd be like you go the fuck home never come back here do you understand me and if you do I won't come after you I'll come after your family you get what I'm saying we'll start with your fingernails pal coke go home <laughs> no that's so aggressive she, I wouldn't be like that Shane's at all. a Pepsi guy apparently <laughs> no I like both I'm just saying roll with the punches you know roll, roll with the cokes if anybody tried to bring me a Diet Pepsi, though, I'd throw it right in their face. I did try to bring you a Diet Pepsi, but in my defense, it was cherry-flavored. Yeah. And that was the only way I could get cherry-flavored Coke was if it was diet, because this is Canada, and we can't have anything that would be perfect. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Everything just needs to be a little bit off. Yeah, yeah. Not quite what we want, yes. but we're like, okay, this is fine. Yeah, so if you're American and you come to Canada, be prepared. We don't have Cherry Coke, only Diet Cherry Coke. Like, I wish this beer were better, but it's not, and it's fine. I'm enjoying it. Is it an American beer? I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't want to say the brand now, because then like, be like... They don't sponsor the podcast. <laughs> you could be talking some shit now. Like, I was listening to Birchwood, and he was fucking taking the piss out of my beer. <laughs> I'm going to kill Shane Ogden. But Matt Richardson was the guest, and he's no. the one that said it doesn't matter. That was Shane Ogden making comments about whatever this beer is. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm hosting, and I find hosting easy, because I can dip in and out. If it didn't go so well off the top, I can come back in the middle and kind of, or at the end, and kind of get my redemption, right? Um, well, there's a I'm, not a, I'm not a good host in the sense that I just do bits. I don't care, hi, how are you? I don't, I'm not good at talking to the crowd. But there's a style with hosting, too, because, uh... There's lots of hosts that like to do a lot of crowd work because right. then it kind of takes pressure off of the other performers so that they don't have to. Right. But then I don't do a lot of crowd work when I'm hosting, and it's always been my mind that like if you sort of start off the show letting the audience know that this is going to be a performance, then that like takes the pressure off of the rest of the comedians that come up because then they can decide on their own. Like right. If they just want to come up and do material... 
that's what the audience is used to already. Or if they want to start uh, doing crowd work, you know, Mike Dambro style, and like talk to them yeah. the entire set, they're free to do that too. But yeah, I kind of feel that like if you open up the door to crowd work as a host right off the top, then that sort of gets the audience into that mood. And so then they're like, oh, cool, you know, yeah, like they love it. We can be a part of this. Yeah, we can be a part of this. Which, like, sometimes for shows, kills it. Like, sometimes there's, like, amazing crowd moments that happen and it makes a whole show and that's the memorable moment from a show but then other times it uh, really torpedoes a show and then, for sure uh, yeah things just get out of hand really quick and uh, they really do and it's uh i don't you know i i hate talking to the crowd i i do not want any interaction with them but sometimes it works out well yeah. but the what i do is not i don't think it's really interaction like um thursday night there was a daughter and, a, and a, what I thought was a husband turned out to be her father and then it became me talking to the daughter and then me talking to the father and then this interaction between them and they're looking at each other laughing and it was a great experience but I wasn't really talking to them like I was talking at them like sir I can't believe you'd bring your daughter to hear all these terrible jokes you know, you raise her to hear this language and, you know, it becomes kind of playful. But I do not want... If he had said, actually, I raised her, da-da-da, and he, if he piped up and chimed in, I'd be like, no, 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 I don't want this. I, I, have, I can't respond to you unless it's a fluke. Sometimes I have fluke moments, but never, never witty banter, never back and <laughs> forth. Because, like, he could have said something super awkward, like, this is my daughter, and I am having sex with her, sir. <laughs> and then you're just up there like, oh, my God, what the fuck's going on? Like, last night. And then you'd be last like, Matt night, Richardson, everybody. And last like, night, oh. you and I were in the elevator. <laughs> and these people, sorry, I didn't mean to spit your face. These people get on the elevator, and they're like, they started saying something about people in the lobby, which I didn't even notice there were people in the lobby, but apparently they were... No, you know, not white. But you know, it's even. Crazier. How did that break it down? What happened in the elevator? There we go. Thank Twenty dollars. So okay, no problem. <laughs> What's even crazier is the people were white that were in the, that were in the lobby. The these people in the elevator <laughs> with us the... just immediately started saying super racist things <laughs> about like a different race. I'm not even going like, to mention the race who it was. <laughs> But then it was just awkward Shane and I in the elevator with these people and like getting very excited about racism and they were like, just get to the fourth floor. I just need to get the fuck off this elevator. <laughs> I had to go to the seventh. <laughs> but it was weird because I didn't even, like you just don't expect it. You, you expect that people won't be racist in 2019, yeah, but there the are still some racists out there and we saw them last night. They were in the elevator with us and, uh, they were just like talking, I thought normally, and then it just slowly dawned on me how racist they were. Yeah, and I had to do some soul searching. Why were they so comfortable with me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, why did they assume that I would be fine with it? Something like, about Batman just, just screams racism. Yeah, so I gotta look at myself, man. My, my choices. Maybe it was me. <laughs> they were just looking at us like, "Am I right?" But thank God they didn't say, "Am I right?" No. They were just they were just looking at us. I was like, Classic looking at the like, floor. Am I right, folks? Am I right? <laughs> I hate these people based on the color of their skin. Am I right? No, sir. You are. You're all right. 
Well, but you are not correct. <laughs> the carbon tax is everybody up in arms. It's, it's a very stressful time right now. The stressful tax. time for racists. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, it's been a super fun weekend. Uh, one more big show tonight, and uh, that'll Looking be fun. Looking forward to it. Have a big crowd. Are you, are you booked in advance? Like, do you have anything on the horizon? Other, uh, than, other than the uh, June 7th Fredericton show? Yeah. That you're going to be on? And uh, that show in Fredericton, I'm in another show in Fredericton in May, I think, at some point. Really? And uh, what else? Yeah. So your book, May, your book May and June, next couple months, you got some shows on the horizon, and then it's back to the back to the sobriety of the she. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're the only guy that goes place. to... You're the only guy that goes to the Mary Machine to get sober. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, you know, like it's going to be a fun summer, and there'll probably be a lot of opportunities come up, and uh, hoping to do a little bit more traveling uh, this summer, maybe get uh, out to Just for Laughs uh, when that's going on. That's always a really fun atmosphere. And Do you go just to watch and hang out? I've been there twice for that, that I just happened to be in Montreal when it was going on, and like it's a massive party. like. And especially when you're in the scene and you know a bunch of comics, then like you can see great people every night. And then like you know it's after hour parties till like five six in the morning, and then you do it all again. So uh, it's have a really you, fun atmosphere. Have you gone to like the comedy nest and gotten guest spots and stuff like that? Uh, no, I've only performed uh, privately in Montreal before. I never actually had a club show anywhere in there. Um, yeah, and like I like. I always get invites to go out west and like do stuff out there, and that would be a lot of fun to do. It's just, uh, you know, I guess you can't wait. I guess it's the sort of thing you just have to book it and do it uh, type situation. Like I think Marty uh, Sonia has uh, got a mini tour on the go right now. Like I see it a pop up on Facebook that he's uh, doing shows in a lot of cool places. And Marty's a super hard worker, man. That's what you have to be. You have to be pushing all the time. And, when you get an opportunity, uh, you gotta take advantage of it and uh, really uh, kind of be ready for any opportunity that I'm not gonna. That's the kind of a piece of advice I give to all young comics: is just every performance that you do, really focus on doing the absolute best performance you can because you never know that performance might lead to something else. Somebody might see you go, "Oh, hey, man, that guy's like got really something special going." And, uh, you know, people ask me, oh, how'd you get this opportunity? How'd you get that? It's like, I think it's just consistently doing good work. You know, if you show up and be professional and do your shows and people like what you do and audiences like what you do, people are going to ask you back and people are going to ask you to be on their show and people are going to ask you to, like, you know, come and do clubs and that. And, uh, like, you getting back to uh, doing yuck clubs is great. And, uh, you know, that'll, like, lead to more performances. And, uh, you know, that's just every opportunity you have to take as an opportunity to get another opportunity. I totally agree. I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, I, I know that I, some of my goals include getting to Ottawa, getting to Montreal, because in the grand scheme of things, they're a dozen hours or less away from where we live. Um, do you have any inclination to do that at some point? maybe carve out a few weeks off work and um yeah for sure and uh you know as you meet more people you get more opportunities to jump on other guys tours and so when you hear about a tour going to a certain place you know it never hurts to like kind of contact them and be like hey you know you one more person to jump on or stuff like that so i would like to tour at some point uh right now i'm content to just kind of do the shows that i'm doing uh, around the east coast and uh, traveling uh, that much but eventually you know I'd like to 
in the future to move to like a bigger center somewhere and then hopefully I have enough contacts at that point that like if I were to move to like a Vancouver and Edmonton I would already have a base of people there to kind of like start doing uh, shows in those venues and then I'll have this kind of wealth of material that I've generated down here that I can like start with in another in another place. So, so you th- you're thinking Edmonton would be a good place to? Yeah, like I- I've heard Edmonton's got a comedy, hot comedy scene. Yeah, Edmonton, Calgary, like out west there. I know comics from Winnipeg. You know, a lot of places at BC. Uh, comics from Nunavut and, uh, and Yukon. You know, you can perform. That's the thing now is, you know, you can be writing constantly. You can be performing. You can be putting stuff on YouTube. Like. The world's a lot smaller than it was. Like when I moved to Toronto at 21 out of university, you had to move to Toronto. Like there was no, there yeah, was no scene. other option to yeah. like do anything else. Like that's where everything was happening. There was stuff happening in BC more television-wise, but like as far as like film and, and sketch comedy and that, like Toronto was where it was at. Uh, but then you know, literally by the time I moved back here, you had people have great success like out east, out west. Uh, online videos, you know, like Picnic Face, like the success that they had, like doing it all the way out here in Halifax. And what it leads to now, Mark Little and uh, yeah. what's his name? Um, Mark and Andrew. Uh, Andrew uh, Cavendish. McDonald. Uh, Andrew McDonald, is that his name? Andrew. That's actually not it. I know but the, show, but the yeah. show's called Cavendish. Cavendish, yeah. So you never know what it leads to down the road. No, absolutely. And just. Not that Picnic Face wasn't a great success on its own. They did they not have a show for a while like on TV? Yeah, Pick and Face had their own sketch show. Yeah, so. and then and then now uh, they're doing something different with Cavendish and Mark Little uh, is performing all over the place and and I'm sure Andrew is too. See, he's also a stand-up. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of the people from Picnic Face are performing like all across the country now. And I know Bill Wood thing. is yeah. a stand-up. Yeah, yeah. Is he living in Toronto? I think he might be in Halifax still. But uh, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. It's been years since I've seen him. Yeah. But uh, I, I enjoyed his, his set when I, I did see him. Um, yeah, no, I my my goal is to kind of... I've heard that um, the Absolute guy, he's around on Sundays. Okay. So my plan is to try to get a guest spot for a Sunday so that I can get in front of him. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully, uh, yeah, impress him somewhat at least. Because, yeah, that's... Absolute's a great venue because they have like multiple clubs like in Ontario so like if you can book with them I know Andrew Vaughn just did a tour out there where he does like all three of the Absolute clubs so like that's like a fun like six week tour right there so yeah and uh, Andrew Evans does a lot of work with them so if you can get in front of the people you know like film yourself as much as possible try to get some good video because that's the medium for kind of auditions now like if you want to send good video to like bookers and that, just give them an idea who you are. Um, yeah, the comedy just keeps on growing. I was mentioning last night that the last six weeks at uh, Yuck Yuck Halifax has been all East Coast-born comedians have been headlining, and I think that's huge. Like compared to when I first moved back, like you would hardly have the only East Coast comedians that were headlining were people who had moved away, right? Had gotten bigger in Toronto or whatever, and then like came back and headlined. But, like, five out of the six have been, like, local-based comedians uh, that uh, work exclusively in the East Coast and uh, all headlining. And then Nick Beaton was here as well, and he was born in the East Coast, uh, born and raised here. So he's definitely an East Coaster as well. But there's been a growth that's been happening. 
that I think was exponential and will continue to grow as long as, like, at the grassroots, we're still kind of doing, putting the work in to uh, get to a point where, like, we have, like, a lot of the people, local people, get to perform at Yucks and get to do bigger shows and uh, big theater shows and wherever they may be. But it's really fun to see the growth. It's uh, pretty cool. I'm, I feel, like, honored to be back at the clubs. Like, when I was a young man... I fucked a lot of shit up. I had a big attitude, big ego, you know, and and I had a, I I somehow got a bad reputation. Um, but being older and also being a booker myself has humbled me. Has made me realize what it takes to put on a successful show. Um, and I mean, you can see it when you're here, right? Like Thursday and Friday, we're not sold out. You know how? What does it take to do that, right? I know what it takes to do that. It's and and it's it's not begrudging them for not having a sold out crowd because people are very hard to convince to come out. It's it's getting harder and harder. So um, I'm looking forward to tonight because I guess there's a lot of people. Yeah. You said there's like almost sold out. Yeah, that's uh, the word on the early numbers. So that'll be cool. And Saturday is uh, traditionally mostly sold out here uh, most of the weekends that I'm here. Super exciting. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. But like Saturday saying, night, baby. It's a uh, it's a whole other thing now. Like there's so many entertainment things that people can spend their time on. Yeah. And like even in their own homes, like with all the options that you have. So to get people to come out and to see a live show is like a tough endeavor now. So you know, you know from uh, Chuckles that uh, it's like a lot of work even to just get the place sold out for two nights. Oh month. yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, now we're doing. Uh, four shows a month between uh, let's say August until about Jan- February February, March um, and I can't even say that because April we're having three shows so like we're having like three to four shows for most of the year now um, so we are growing and I, but as I say, with us, we pour all the money back into it, and it's more like our hobby business at this point. Yeah. Hopefully, one day we'll be um, expanding and, and all that stuff. But more shows, more opportunities for locals. Really excited about it, and you know, uh, I hope that I can balance stand up and the club. But I got Julie to help me, and uh, and James Mulinger gave me some great advice. He's like, you know, what he does with the his magazine, the Maritime Edit. He said, it's not one or the other. He said, it's both. He said, you can do all the things, you know. And, yeah, it's true that sometimes your attention will be divided, but it doesn't mean that you can't do both, you know. Like, I made the decision to do this podcast with you today. I'm going to have to edit it. I'm going to have to, you know, I'm always working at something. And I rarely now, like, I find that I'm having less and less time to play my video games on my phone or, or watch a Netflix show. Like, I have to schedule time to watch a Netflix show now because I keep myself so busy. And um, I think maybe it's a midlife crisis <laughs> because I feel like, oh my God, the clock's ticking. 42, I just got back to performing. I'm relying on a lot of old material. I'm trying to write new material. Uh, in many ways, I feel like a fish out of water. Um, but... I find that the comics in Halifax have been very welcoming. I think I think when people do the niche thing that you do, 
they get it and they want you to do well. Do you feel that way? Well, well let me tell you, I wish my midlife crisis was productivity. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would really help me out. <laughs> I think mine's just going to be more laziness. Like another next level laziness. <laughs> um, thanks, man. But, uh, no, yeah, it's like... Um, I was just about to say that in St. John, when you have venues available, like the DX the uh, St. John Club was available and like Chuckles is available, um, you see the growth of younger comics coming up because there's places to play yeah. and they know there's something to strive for and it's like, I'm going to do the open mics in St. John so that I can go get a weekend at Chuckles and so they're working on the craft and like that's why venues are so important because like then you get that grassroots like people wanting to do it because they know there's a place to do it. When I moved back, I was doing a play in Fredericton. I typed in Fredericton stand up and uh, Wilsers, thank God, popped up. And yeah. like it just so happened, it was so crazy because the when I searched for it was on the actual Thursday of the show because like we know like that show only happens once a month, so it was super random that like I was searching. So I went that night, met Trevor Muxworthy. Uh, went up that night when Trevor found out I was like a Second City guy he was like hey you want to close the show I was like sure man. so great uh, and uh, but like literally when I first moved back that was basically the only show happening you had just I think started to get back into doing your Shane Ogden Presents uh, a few months after that Troy Haynes uh, started to do some shows out of Fredericton but like there was like a slow build and then, you know, Forward started to do his St. John stuff. And then, you know, uh, Steve came in and then Chuckles uh, came in. Like, everything was just happening then. But like, that, Trevor Trevor Muxworthy and John Forward are the reason we have a scene in St. Oh, John. Yeah. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like, I did, I did the higher end stuff. It was just like booking pros. And if the guy was good enough, he could. I got, got, a, got him to open for the pros. But... I never cultivated a scene. Yeah, yeah. John Forward and Trevor Muxworthy had a place for people that, you know, weren't pros to go and practice and get better and then become good enough to perform and open for pros. So, like, they're so important and I do, I value them very much. And that Wilser, first Wilser show I went to, and then subsequently I did several, like, while I was in Fredericton, uh, the crowds were always great. They always got a great crowd. I was used to Toronto open mics where there would be like three other comics staring at you yeah. and like not reacting. So I was like, what a like a jewel to have here for like young comics to 100%. be able to come and like actually perform in front of a crowd and like get like actual reactions. 100%. Uh, and then like when I was there for the first Arbar show that John put on and uh, it takes dedicated people to do this stuff every week. Like the Halifax guys, they have multiple uh, mics for every day of the week, basically, in Halifax. But the only reason that happens is because there's dedicated people who are, like, organizing it and, like, actually getting it done. Because, like, it takes more work than people realize to even just put on an open mic. Oh, 100%. Uh, and uh, if those guys weren't here doing that, then the scene just completely dries up and there would be no comedy happening anywhere. So uh, it's so important to the community that uh, we have like really dedicated people like that that like want to put these shows on and want to go through the hassle that uh, that comes with putting them on. So. Well, it's been a total nightmare for me uh, <laughs> starting in 2009, and I 
There's a big part of me that wishes I didn't do it. If I didn't do it, Chuckles wouldn't exist. But something else would have existed. And uh, I don't know if it will ever pay off. I hope it will. But if it doesn't, I guess no regrets. But I, I, it's weird. If I, if I was in a time machine right now, I would have spent the last 10 years focusing on my comedy, I think, rather than everybody else's comedy. And But, I mean, you fought against that impulse, though, which is what's cool, because you said it right there. You were like, oh, if I didn't do it, somebody else would do it. But that's always the, the thought process. Like, that's, like, what stops people from doing things, because they go, oh, you know what, I'm not going to do this, because somebody else will do it. (laughs) But you did, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And that's the reason it exists. Because, and I know, I know that from my own life. Like, lots of times I go, like, oh, yeah, I could do this YouTube video. Oh, fuck, somebody will get around to doing it or whatever. And then nobody does it. And I was like, oh, that was a really cool idea that, like, I should have done. Do you remember where we met? We met at Wilson's, I assume? So long now. I don't remember. I'm like, I just, I literally don't know how we know each other. Uh, But that's when I feel I met most of the early people that I met in comedy was all in Wilson like that's where I met Splude and Muxworthy for the first time and uh, Neil Mundo Neil Mundo and uh, James Camo James, James. did James first come to Wilson's yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah I, I've seen James at Wilson's yeah that's right yeah because when I met him literally it was like when he first got back into town and he came to do Wilson's and he was my, I forget who introduced me like Jimmy or somebody and uh, he was like, yeah, James uh, Mullinger's from Britain. He's, he's going to take over comedy in the East Coast. And I was like, all right, good luck with that, man. <laughs> I was like, who the fuck's this guy? And then he did it. <laughs> and so I told that to James all the time. I was like, you are like manifest destiny, man. Like, Proving just, that yeah, anything is possible. You just did it. Like, I had zero faith that anything like that could happen. And then he just did it, man. He's a, he's a force of nature, man. So but yeah, that, I assume I would have met you at Wilson's. Yeah, I just I wanted to know because uh, you know I feel like we're friends, but I don't. You know what kind of a friendship do you have with other comics? Like it's a weird friendship where you pick it up and put it down every time you do a gig together. You know, but it's not. It doesn't ever change. I don't feel differently now than I felt at Wilson's or any other gig I see you at. It just feels like we're we're comedy friends. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, like real life meet- friends are. Those are very special people. That's a burden. It's a burden, too. Yeah, you're right. It's a bit of a burden. They want stuff from us. Yeah, I don't, like, I don't need you calling me when your kids are sick or something like that. I'm like, well, go fix them. I'm not coming to your diaper party. It's just not me. But, uh, you know, when you get to see, uh, you know, your comedy buddies when you go to gigs, it gets exciting then because you don't see everybody, like, all of the time. So it's like a real, like, kind of treat when I can come down and do chuckles and I know I'm going to see you and Julie and Dale. And, uh, you know, you get to hang out with your friends for, like, uh, two nights uh, out of the month or whatever when you get to go down. So You get to see what we've been up to. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, like, then I love... Uh, seeing you know Vaughn last night when he came in for a guest spot oh, yeah. I always love seeing awesome. when uh, like whether I'm going to see new material because like I've seen uh, Vaughn so many times and like I love yeah, like seeing older bits and sometimes like when he does like uh, a set and like he doesn't do a bit that I wanted to hear you get disappointed because you're like <laughs> oh man I wanted to hear this one bit but, yeah yeah uh, 
And then, like saying we're going to see Brian Thompson today. And, like, I'm, I'm gonna, super pumped to see Brian. I haven't seen uh, him in so long, and like just to see him do comedy is going to be like a, a lot of fun. So. Thousand percent, one yeah. of the funniest guys ever. And so are you, man. Thanks for doing the podcast. Hey, always, man. Cheers. We are great friends. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Shane. Thanks. Before we stop recording, will you say, I'm Matt Richardson, you're listening to Birchwood Podcast. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button. I'm Matt Richardson, you're listening to Birchwood Podcast. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> <laughs>